Hello everyone. This is Saurabh, your host of the Passionately Curious podcast. Today, I have Bree Lever with me. Bree is a community strategist and consultant, and she has a secret camper van side hustle, which she would like she which would love to know more about. She lives in mm-hmm. Hawaii, and she loves being on, in, near, and underwater. <laughs> Her own words, but very curious to know more about that. Bree, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Uh, hi, and I would love to uh, for you to go deeper into your intro and share uh, share with the audience what you are working on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so, well, most of the time for the the things that I get paid for <laughs> is spent with community building. But I also um, a couple of years ago experimented with having a camper van in Hawaii, mm-hmm. renting mm-hmm. it out to to guests. So I have. Now I have four camper vans and a Jeep and I rent them to guests uh, on the island. And yeah, it's an adventure, never a dull moment with the, with the camper vans. And then um, we, we live close to the water and I, I love to surf and to scuba dive and free dive. And um, my partner is um, he, he makes surfboards. So we're frequently by the water if not inside of it <laughs> amazing amazing so like the life that you describe right now a lot of people might be listening to it and thinking like wow like how do i get there so let's go to the beginning like uh how did that transition happen from a normal like uh life school college uh, university, get a job, go to, I don't know, Wall Street or a law firm or whatever. Like, where did you break out from there? And how was that, like, journey? I would like to love to know more about that. Yeah, yeah. And specifically, like, moving to Hawaii as part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, um, honestly, really serendipitous in mm-hmm. So I quit my, the kind of pivotal year for me was 2020, um, Mm -hmm. which is not super surprising, but um, (laughs) in in 2020. So in February of 2020, I quit my job that I had, um, the company I'd been working with for seven years Mm -hmm. and I built a community of um, like a really robust community of ambassadors um, Mm -hmm. for this social enterprise. And I had started it from scratch and built and led that community for um, almost six years. And so it was a really uh, intense, demanding um, job, but I just gained a ton of skills. And I didn't really even consider it to be a part, like I didn't consider myself a community person. I thought Mm -hmm. it was more like a a sales um, community, but everything I was doing Mm -hmm. was fundamental practices of community building it was just also in the context of sales which is really a quite Mm -hmm. difficult like uh angle for community (laughs) and um so I quit that job and a Mm -hmm. week later the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and I was traveling at the time so I just barely made it back to the U.S. and um basically long story short started my consulting work um Mm -hmm. Took about three months to get a full client load up, mm-hmm. and once I did that, um, I also went through 
um, a relationship breakup right at that same time. And like a month later had the chance to go to Hawaii to caretake, had like random friends of friends who were looking for someone to caretake their farm property um, Mm -hmm. out in like this rural area on the most rural island. (laughs) Well, it's not Mm -hmm. the most rural island, but Big Island is not not super populated. Um, so I just said yes and was kind of, I, you know, had transitioned to doing consulting and mm-hmm. was getting my business off the ground, but I could work, I could set the expectation for my clients and was able to work remotely while um, basically taking care of this five acre farm uh, for free rent. So that mm-hmm. kind of again, like serendipitously was supposed to be for two months, but ended up being for a year. And during that time, um, had the idea for the camper van and kind of figured, you know, if I'm going to be a single person living in Hawaii, I essentially need to be able to hustle two jobs Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make this all work. Um, and everyone and their grandmother has a side hustle in Hawaii. So just figured (laughs) I'd try, try that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it just sort of worked. And then, um, got a small loan this last year to build, um, three more vans, so now I feel like at a, a really um, uh, figuring out the balance between my my full time work and the camper vans, but it is really nice to have. I don't like to divide my focus too much, mm-hmm. but having you know two businesses that um, can just balance each other out a little bit is mm-hmm. is really nice. The, the camper vans are really like my no pun intended savings vehicle for buying a house uh someday so it's really mm-hmm. just kind of, that's like a little bit it's no by no means on autopilot and by no means passive <laughs> income it's not um, <laughs> it is it's not it's not full-time and it's not um, my like income generation which is still yeah. my consulting work. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah one one thing i have learned over time like passive income is a myth like yes. whoever says yes. like passive yeah. income I'm like okay like <laughs> but, yeah well uh, I like to introduce it as my yeah my not so passive income or if anybody's <laughs> ever like so passive I'm like <laughs> <"What world> <laughs> that's a joke <laughs> amazing amazing but but I like uh so I would love to know your thoughts on it, but from from an outsider perspective, uh, listening to you telling the story, I like the the balance or or how do I say the sanity of mm-hmm. physical engagement gives along with the online engagement. Like my work mm-hmm. mostly is online, and I now feel like I need to have some physical distraction where I have to talk to real people or like. <laughs> Not wow. that people I'm interacting with online are not real, but talk to people in person and just, uh, so yeah. yeah, I think like that's a very nice way to keep yourself engaged in the physical space that you're in as well. Yeah. And especially, um, I feel like, especially living in Hawaii, there is a responsibility to be present on the island. And I think that that can be really difficult when you're a remote worker or especially like with kind of the era that we're in where people will move, move somewhere, mm-hmm. quote, exotic. And, mm-hmm. you know, you work in an entirely different world and then mm-hmm. you live in this 
like maybe local, locally, like remote, yeah. uh, rural experience. And I felt like I wanted something in my life that was prompting me. And I, the camper vans, especially like get me really ingrained in the local community and culture, mm-hmm. um, partly for like, as a way to better my understanding so that I can serve my guests. But, yeah. um, also because, you know, um, there's a lot of layers to the tourism industry in Hawaii. And I want to make sure I'm um, engaging in that industry in a way that's responsible and uplifting and sustainable and leaving the Island better than I found it. So it really does seem to be really proactive about my physical and like local presence that I think can get lost when you're doing solely remote and online work, online work, but especially remote work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I relate that I relate to that a lot because lately, like I have seen, uh, I shared with you, like I had a burnout phase a few weeks back, and I found that one of the reasons was like physically I was not interacting like in the place that I was living, like everything was online, and uh, now I'm like becoming more conscious of how can I put myself like in physical spaces where I interact with people in person and yeah somehow like I I feel like this is like since I've been sharing this with people I've heard like many people are going through this like the COVID uh, lifestyle is just taking over which is like (laughs) now nobody's forcing us to stay in the apartment but we are still like not getting out of the apartment so yeah I like I really like how you have found this balance and what you said about leaving the place where you are better than you found it and not just be a yeah isolated uh, mm. Mm. yeah amazing amazing uh i have a question which might sound dumb but it is something that i wonder a lot and i think you're the right person to ask so if you go on LinkedIn and if you go anywhere, uh, the word community is thrown so much, like so much everywhere, like community, community. And so my question that comes to my mind is what is a community? Like, how would you define, especially in context of an online community uh, and also looking at the, to to a great extent, the breaking of community in the physical space. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like just understanding what is actually a community, like what would your thoughts be on this? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. It is so tricky because um, the word community itself can be used in so many different contexts. You have like a sense of community, Mm a spirit of community. And then we refer to, well, that's my community as like, Mm -hmm. um, also a really defined group of people. So it's super broad. And I, I, there's been like a lot of discussion in the community, um, like thought leader space around how, how tight we can really get with our definition of community Mm -hmm. and how, um, how broad it needs to stay. So I don't know, for me, I define it as a diverse group of people who Mm -hmm. gather together um, for a common interest, goal, or purpose. And um, I've, I've debated with some community building friends if what's required in the midst of that is 
also values alignment between these individuals. I think I think ultimately you can have community even if you don't have similar values, but I don't think that community will necessarily, um, I don't think it's necessarily going to have the strength that it takes to endure over a long span of time. It might just be something that's purposed for a short season. And I actually think like some of the strongest communities um, like do have an intended ending. Um, Like some of the strongest communities that I have formed came out of experiences and like bigger communities that came to an end. And those kind of micro communities only had a chance to form because Mm -hmm. our broader experience ended. Um, So, so yeah, that's, I like to, uh, within that definition, I like to strike the, I like to contrast the, a diverse group of people. So there are differences that I think Mm -hmm. bring, um, well, there's, there's always going to be differences. No two people are the same, but you can, mm-hmm. you can get as, um, as far reaching or as close connected in that <laughs> word mm-hmm. diversity as you want. Um, but then the similarities I think are, are, are really important and they're what bond people together in that commonality. So mm-hmm. that's how I would define it. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, How how did you like how was your journey coming into community? Like what was your what were you doing before that? Uh what were your initial experiences like and what have you learned now that you wish you knew then when you started working oh, with this? So many things. Um mm-hmm. and do you mean specifically like specifically before my my like online community consulting? Or before, even before I had that job with uh, the ambassador community. Yeah, like just like uh, how when you started with the ambassador community, like mm-hmm. what it felt like when when it was new, and what have you learned over time? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've learned a lot. <laughs> Still, so much to learn. Still. Mm-hmm. The more you learn, the more you realize uh, you have even more to learn. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, so I grew up in a bed and breakfast, which I'm mm-hmm. currently in <laughs> mm-hmm. right now. And my parents always, uh, my parents were a part of the church and we always had a really strong community there. So I would say that a lot of my experience in community building actually came, was, was modeled for me through my experience participating in the church up mm-hmm. through college. Um, but I, you know, every community builder will say we kind of accidentally got into this industry mm-hmm. because um, one, as a, um, as an industry integrated with business, it's relatively new. The concept is age old. <laughs> It's like when people, when people will say, well, like, but how do you know community works? And I'm like, (laughs) have you like ever, do you know anything about humanity and like how we exist, (laughs) like how we have evolved and how it's like community is not a new thing. And it's not, there's, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's no need to justify that um, we need it and that it works. Understanding the role of community in business has also pretty much always existed, Mm -hmm. but 
our understanding of it and how it manifests has changed as the tools have changed yeah. essentially. Yeah. So um, I, I'm getting a little tangential, but oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I, I was just thinking like how uh, the last 20 odd years have, and especially like the last decade, uh, because earlier, like there was a one way communication uh, thing, mm-hmm. like you would see things on TV and maybe you would discuss it with your friends, but that is where you are limited to like, and over the last 20 years with internet and social media and Instagram and Twitter and all that, like it's, it has allowed two-way communication and it has allowed like more, like now we have the, the toolkit to, to, for businesses to engage with communities or for communities to matter to businesses. Like earlier, it was very disparate, like, so television became the source for for a lot of decades to transmit information so businesses didn't really care about communities that much as they cared about like the advertisement platform but now i think especially last few years especially covid changed a lot of things so like there's so many transitions so uh, happening so fast now that businesses are realizing they can't compete like with that one medium uh, one message kind of thing and uh, the more Mm -hmm. they are able to engage their customers the like the better they are able to serve them through products and services like so that understanding I think especially with the leaders is coming Mm -hmm. in and the like the laggards will be laggards and they're laggards for a reason but uh, the people who are like ahead of the curve, they see like this is now possible. And if you don't engage now, you're going to lose. Yeah, you know, 100%. And it's part of why I don't really, I used to work with um, really target brands for building brand communities. Mm-hmm. And um, I just got so tired of them asking like, well, what's the value? Prove to us the value of community. Yeah. <laughs> And I, uh, I'm so tired of that question because it's, mm-hmm. it's exactly like you say, it's kind of like, so no one says now, well, like, well, prove to us that social media is like a good, we should, you know, why we should have social media as a brand. Mm-hmm. And nobody's asking that question anymore. But mm-hmm. 10 years ago, it was like, well, we need to see proof and justification before we make investment in this. And what I found is that the people who are just see the inerrant value and mm-hmm. are like, duh, this makes sense, are creators and are solopreneurs. And they're they're just, they just absolutely go for it and Mm -hmm. see the value. They're already engaging their audience in a way that's really thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And so community makes so much more sense um, without... with all without all of the baggage and kind of constant uphill battle of defending defending especially for something like community where the ROI is so difficult to yeah. track there are certainly metrics that you can mm-hmm. but um we're we're essentially where social media was 10 years ago where it's really hard to to prove value at the moment but yeah. i i believe if you if you wait to mm-hmm. need uh for if you need to wait for proof and justification, you are going to be behind. Yeah. And so, which is, it's a tough sell. So I just stopped selling it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seth, Seth Godin, he talks about this in uh, 
not directly, but he talks about brand marketing and uh, direct marketing in This Is Marketing, uh, his book, This Is Marketing. And he says like direct marketing, you can measure. You can measure how many people clicked on your Instagram ad, how many went to the website. Like you can have all that data and then you can see which ad works and then you can replicate it. Brand marketing by def, like he said, like you can't measure it. If you start measuring your brand marketing, you will lose. And uh, the example he gives is of Absolute or Mercedes and all these. Like, so Absolute would put their ad, but you can't just say, oh, I, how many people saw that ad and went out and bought a bottle of Absolute like immediately. Like, so they kept putting in the ad for years and then that brand got developed in people's heads and then they were buying and i think community would fall under brand marketing for that matter like if you try to measure it instead of nurturing it and letting it develop and letting all these connections form and conversations form and culture form like you're not going to like you're it's not going to work and so yeah i agree totally. yeah that's a great example yeah. Uh, all right, Bri. So what I want to ask next is for solopreneurs who are listening, uh, who among them should think about community seriously and what can they expect when they work on their community and how mm-hmm. should they go about building their community? Uh, also, if you can mention if they are budget tight, what what is the best way to like uh yeah. do this yeah um great question so i if you're a creator or a solopreneur um community is a great fit for you if you have a learning component for your audience and especially if you have a course or if you already have a membership around content um so i like to say that there's three pillars for community programming events conversation and content So if you already have content going or events going, um, creating a community ecosystem to nail all three of these community programming pillars um, is going to not only increase the value of the experience for your members, they're going to be able to learn better and get a much richer experience and more value from learning alongside of others. Um, But they're also going to be, so the the value of the experience increases, which means you can increase your prices, um, but it also will create an environment for testing out new ideas. So it's one of the reasons that I think people who know how to feed an audience do really well fostering community because they've used their audience to test out some of their ideas already. And the community only creates a more dedicating a more dedicated landscape for testing. So um, the value to those creators are, I, I won't say a lot of people think like, oh, community, great. Now they can just get value from each other and I don't have to provide value. <laughs> Set it and forget it. Passive income. Woo-hoo. And that is just like so the antithesis of community, like any valuable community experience um, requires so much work. So it's not, it is not like a, an exchange where you get to do less work. You have to do more honestly upfront. Um, but it is true that like, you are not the only one providing value. The value that you bring 
is in creating an ecosystem where people are getting value both from you, but also from other members, which mm-hmm. takes again just as much work. So don't do it because you think it's going to get, it's going to take less work, mm-hmm. <laughs> but ultimately the value of the experience is way, way higher than just them getting value straight from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're on a budget and you're like, okay, this is, I can totally see how community would bring value to my business. It fits in with what we're doing already. Um, but you're like, we don't have any funds to, you know, either hire a community manager or I'm strapped for time, energy and resources. Like everyone is, um, there's some great, there's kind of a spectrum of ways that you can build a community. You can have on the far side, you have, it's like, um, it's like wedding planning. So like you have the full DIY, like you can do it for like, quote, pretty cheap, but it's like full DIY, like Uh you're doing everything yourself. Or you can, you know, pay as much as much as you want to to have other people build it, run it, launch it, etc. For solopreneurs and creators, it's part of why I love launching their communities and partnering with them because mm-hmm. they are often the ones dedicated to running their communities. And mm-hmm. I don't recommend community as the thing that you outsource, especially running it, especially growing it, but even running it, I think is really important in the beginning for the founder. Um, especially in a small operation to do themselves because they're going to, you're going to discover so much more along the way. So Uh I love partnering with those founders to help them um, create a strategy for launching and architecting the community experience. Um, But there's plenty of like courses you can take. Uh, My friend Tatiana Figueroa has a phenomenal course and community where you can um, launch your, launch your creator community. Um, and that's like an awesome, affordable option. Um, but it's just kind of that constant exchange, right? Depending on how much time or money you want to spend, usually it's a little bit of a trade-off between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very valuable. Uh, and I really like the part where you said like the leader like has to be present. They can't just like it the i feel like anytime someone says like set it and forget it like you should just run away like <laughs> nothing works like that and uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. but i i think like a lot of people can benefit from the insights that you shared um how would like there is this term mastermind which is also like quite commonly associated with community and how do you look at uh, masterminds and what is your uh, how, how do you differentiate a community from a mastermind and like is mastermind a smaller community or um, what yeah. are your thoughts about that yeah I would define a mastermind as like one element of community programming so I mentioned mm-hmm. um or so I, I believe there's three pillars to community programming, events, conversation, and content. Mm-hmm. And um, a mastermind, uh, usually usually a mastermind is like an event, a synchronous event where everybody shows up and there's like some sort of format to the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be like a space where people can have conversation afterwards. So um, totally, it like hits two of the boxes, right? Conversation mm-hmm. and event. Um, but I think there's like, more to the ecosystem than just a mastermind. I think mm-hmm. like a mastermind is a community experience. Um, I don't think it's like 
so important whether we decide like is a masterminded community or is it just an experience or is there more like I don't think the definition matters as much as um, masterminds really where they're awesome is they they can be an amazing way to test a community concept mm-hmm. events in general are if you're looking of those three pillars if you're looking for a place to start for testing mm-hmm. out community mm-hmm. events conversation and content start with events because you'll get feedback and you will know right away whether they're providing value or not because people will either show up or they won't <laughs> yeah. and you'll you'll learn really quickly with events, whereas it's harder to get that feedback with, um, with content and conversation. Yeah. 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 Quite, quite, quite on point. I have like small mastermind groups personally, they have helped me so much. Like they are like, not even, it's like three friends just coming together once every week discussing what's going on. And uh, like, I have been doing it for over six, seven months now, but that, meeting is something that is like now a solid uh point in my week which like, on your calendar yeah 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 so, I you know I had a mastermind with a couple other community consultants and we even like so we did a mastermind for about I think it was like three months maybe longer mm-hmm. and it was awesome we loved it and then we like tried to launch a whole like kind of membership and community space and we got some interest, but we really, um, it was a, such a great test because, um, my friend Victoria Cumberbatch and I did mm-hmm. this together and, um, one, it was like, I'm so glad that we tested our first mastermind together. And then once it came time to like test out launching a community for consultants, we, people were like wanting more, um, they were like, well, we want to know more about like what the value is to us and like, yeah. et cetera. Basically like, Hey, like prove, show the value to us. And we were like, eh, yeah, we actually don't have that much energy. <laughs> and like, we actually don't really care about proving yeah. it to you. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. were like, Oh, Oh, this actually, it was, it was great. It was, and it wasn't even that we tested it and people didn't want it. It was more, we just realized that our yeah. own energy wasn't going to be sufficient to run in the community. We were like, if, if this feels like it's draining, even to just like pitch it to you then like this is not something that we should be running right now and we can keep doing just the like the just the mastermind meetups because they're great and they're valuable but it was actually a great it was really confirming for us that we were not we were not in a place that that's what we wanted and so yeah yeah, I think masterminds for testing that out are really helpful yeah 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 Yeah. I really like this there's so much tangible insights into what we are sharing right now uh I think one of the ways that I have felt is like start a finite community and mm-hmm. so that anyone who joins, they are not like forever, they are going to pay or whatever, or you are into it forever. So maybe a quarter or maybe a couple of months and just yeah. have that finite space so that you know what it feels like. And then you have a choice at the end of the two months or three months, if you want to do another iteration. And so the members also are on the hook because they know like if this doesn't work then this is not going to be continued and stuff like so many times like people commit to projects which are infinite in nature like there is no end point and then they keep dragging it without like finding if it's feeding them or not so I I, yeah yeah. go ahead yeah no there's certain like psychological safety that comes with like this is the purpose of this group and this Mm -hmm. experience and when this purpose is reached, it ends. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even yeah. if the purpose is like in Q3, you will have support in the form of like mastermind conversation and these resources. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. I, I wrote a piece about this. Maybe we'll include it in the notes about mm-hmm. like how your body might need to die in order to live on. And mm-hmm. it was, um, yeah. And it, it kind of touched, it's very philosophical, but it touches on these cohort based communities. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there is this, uh, what do you say? There's this tension when there is something finite, then you're like trying to make the most out of it and engaging. But when you engage with something which will indefinitely go on, you're like, oh yeah, it's always there and stuff like, and so that's there. Uh, I have heard you talk about like audience versus community, like in, in the lurkers debate and all that, like how, how is the audience like is community a subset of the audience? How how would you differentiate between them? How much should we engage with the audience? Like in contrast to the community, if we are looking at as, as a creator or a leader? Yeah. Oh, that's a really great question. Yeah. I have strong opinions about this. I believe mm-hmm. that your audience is totally different than your community and it should be, t- it should be treated differently. And mm-hmm. the more that we can identify really clearly who is in the community, your audience is so fluid. Like people can uh, like easily kind of drip in and out of your audience. I don't, I believe that the boundaries around your community should be clearer, should be clarified. They should be like very transparent because your community is essentially a container. And the more um, holes you have in that container, the less water it can actually hold. So I, some community builders are like your audience and your community are like, should be super fluid and just like flow in and out. But I, I don't build community that way. I think it should be really defined. Um, as far as how, well, so some differences between your audience and community, um, in your audience, you are speaking, it's like one way communication, maybe two way, maybe your audience is like yelling back at you. (laughs) which on social media is like very common. So, but primarily you are projecting out your message to others and in your community, you might be sparking, you might be putting out content that sparks, uh, but primarily the, the focus is that it's sparking conversation and value between your members. So the emphasis is not on the relationship that I have with the customer, but what my customers or members, the relationship that they have between each other. Um, and a couple other examples of the differences, um, audiences expect to be like fed and entertained, mm-hmm. um, whereas community members, um, expect to find like relationship and connection, mm-hmm. um, with others. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's really, I think social media has trained us to speak to an audience, but it hasn't we, I think what social media did was set up an expectation that we could now scale connection and belonging, but it, what it did was it only, um, it didn't do that (laughs) (laughs) essentially. Uh, what it did instead was put us in front of an audience, which I don't think is a, a, like compatible environment for, for connection and belonging that that is what community does but it is distinctly different from an audience. And I think yeah. the the like places where those connections have to look different, if your community looks and feels like social media, it is not going to be a safe and inviting place for people to make those connections. Like we've just, just from how we've been conditioned to interact on social media. So 
lots of strong opinions here, but uh, mm -hmm. those are some of the differences. And um, as far as I don't think audience is bad. I think you need you need to be you know creating an audience and building an audience. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really important to um, use your audience as a funnel into your community. I think that needs to be you need to pay attention to that. As far as how much time to dedicate to either, if you like have a community and you have an audience, I I don't know that I could break down a percentage. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it depends on your strategy. Like if you're if you're like, okay, right now our like primary goal is to grow this community mm -hmm. um, and get new members in. You're gonna focus a lot more on your audience and building up the audience so that you can get exposure and like get more members into your funnel. Yeah. If you're like okay, right now we really want to focus on the quality of the experience in our community, then mm -hmm. you're going to spend less time. You're going to prioritize more of those tasks around building up the community experience. Or maybe yeah. you're like, hey, our primary strategy is like referrals in our community. We want our members to refer other members. So we're going to focus yeah. all of our energy on making that community experience um, really remarkable. Yeah. Um, it, it depends on your strategy. And I've seen, no, there's no like single answer for that. But mm -hmm. um, I do think, I, I don't think you can just like forget about your audience. I think you still, um, I, I like to use activities that are happening in the community as lead magnets for an audience. So you're not um, reinventing the wheel every time. Yeah. But um, I don't like to, I like to use events and content as lead magnets to the community. I don't believe in using conversation as mm -hmm. a lead magnet, which is like kind of a whole other rabbit trail, but yeah. using like events that, you know, some events might be open to the public so they can get a taste of the community. That's a fabulous way to get people um, interested in your community and joining um, or like content and resources that are being shared and uh, recycled in your community, sharing mm -hmm. those publicly. So they're like, oh man, like look at, look at the things that they're sharing and talking about in this community. Yeah. Yeah. No, very helpful. And yeah, different perspectives and you can choose your perspective. Like I really like how you can think of in terms of referrals and focusing on your smallest audience and just ensuring that you're doing so great work that they are referring and it's growing organically from there. All the other way is like growing an audience and then creating tension to join the community this is so very useful and so very interesting uh, as we wrap up as we start to wrap up uh, Brie uh, I would like to give you the floor to talk about your projects and how the audience can engage with you how can they learn from you uh, what are the different channels through which uh, they can contact you and yeah yeah um Absolutely. So first of all, um, love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So follow or request to connect with me there. Um, I post really consistently and love it's where I test a lot of my ideas. I don't have a community that I run. So um, I do all of my testing is done with my audience on LinkedIn. So I love connecting with people there. Um, I do a lot of writing and a lot of create a lot of videos about um where I dissect different community experiences and uh, dissecting the evolution of community with its founders. So um, I've like a couple dozen videos dissecting different brand communities, creator communities. Um, if you are looking for good examples of how to build community, that's a fabulous place to start. So you can subscribe to my YouTube. Um, and then I have a monthly newsletter that just sort of uh, is a roundup 
of all of the um, writing and video and musings. So that's a great place. I really try to be ultra respectful people's inboxes. So that monthly roundup is a good place to go and jam packed with great information. Amazing. Amazing. I'll share the links to all of these things in the show notes so you guys can click and contact Brie from there. Brie, thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much wisdom in this. Uh, I have so many insights on how to like uh, make changes in my community. Like there were a lot of insights that just sparked a bulb uh, in my head. But thank you so much for taking out the time and talking with us here. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll see you soon.